So here is an old proverb that I made up this week. Dead dogs don't inherit, but sons do. And I say this because this is one of those times in scripture where we see an ultimate rags to riches transformation. A man expects to die. He knows he's going to die. He's certain of it. And instead of dying, he has to process the fact that he is inheriting wealth. He returns from exile. He becomes a close associate of the king of Israel. And all of this, totally unexpected. And he asked this question. Who is your servant but a dead dog? Why are you doing this? And the answer is, it has nothing to do with him. But it has to do with a covenant of the Lord made before he was born. He thought he was a dead dog, but he found out he is a son of the covenant. And here's the deal. Dead dogs don't inherit, but a son or a daughter of the covenant does inherit. That's what we're looking at today. 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Mechir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Mechir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. Now this starts off with David, kind of sitting around, kind of thinking wide, kind of free associating, and it kind of strikes him, whoa, I made a covenant of the Lord with Jonathan. Huh. And he's remembering, I made these covenants, three of them. 
Now, Jonathan, you remember, he is the son of Saul, the former king of Israel. And he died with Saul and two other brothers at that battle on Mount Gilboa. And 1 Samuel shows that David made three covenants with Jonathan. The first one was in 1 Samuel 18, just after David killed Goliath. And Jonathan saw him do that, and he says, that is a guy after my own heart. It says he loved him as his own soul. So he says, you and me got to make a covenant of the Lord. We're going to protect one another, hold up one another. We're going to be friends, you and me, right now. David says, okay. So they make a covenant of the Lord. The second covenant is in 1 Samuel 20. And this covenant included showing the loving kindness of the Lord to all the house, all of the family of Jonathan forever. So they made a covenant of the Lord. The third one was made in 1 Samuel chapter 23. Now, you know, they already have two covenants of the Lord between them, and one is plenty. But Jonathan insists, and they make another covenant of the Lord, binding them in relationship, committing them to support and bless each other. Now, the time in this chapter is years and years after those covenants were made. Jonathan is no longer alive. David has been king over Judah for seven years, and now he's the king of Israel, and he's fought battles. He's taken Jerusalem. He's got a palace now. He's brought the ark to Jerusalem. He's done a bunch of things. A lot of time has elapsed. And then all of a sudden, he goes, whoa, the covenants, Jonathan, oh. And he remembers, and he goes, I got to do this now. Because, see, a covenant of the Lord involves the Lord. He's a member of this covenant he is the basis and the guarantee to fulfill it. Because you see, the Lord insists on honoring all your promises. He insists on it. You do not make a promise to somebody and then go, oh well, whatever. Because that's not right. You make a promise, you say yes, your yes ought to be yes, and your no ought to be no. But this is a covenant of the Lord where the Lord is involved as the guarantee. So, you know that God keeps all of his covenants? Every promise that he makes, he keeps. It doesn't matter if that person isn't alive anymore. It doesn't matter if it's thousands of years later. 
God made that promise. He's going to keep it, see? So God keeps his promises. He expects his people to keep their promises. And so David has three covenants of the Lord with Jonathan. And he's not going to say, oh, yeah, bro, I'll do that, and then flake out. So David thinks, whoa, I got to do something. But he doesn't know what's going on. So he goes, anybody know if anybody of the house of Saul is left alive? And they're asking around. And somebody goes, well, let's ask Ziba. Who's Ziba? Ziba is the steward of the house of Saul. They go, okay, go get him. And so he asks Ziba, and Ziba knows. Okay, yeah, I know. There's, there's one son of Jonathan left alive. Oh, yeah, who is he? His name is Mephibosheth. Where is he? He's in the house of Mechir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. You know what Lodabar means? What does it mean, Gil? Lodabar. Nothing. Nowhere. Where does he live? He lives in nowhere. This is a place that's really far away from Jerusalem. So he's far away, he's crippled in both feet, and he lives in nowhere. So David says, go get him. Now, you notice here in verse 6, Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, goes into his ancestry here. When he comes before David, he falls on the ground before him. And if he could go lower, he would. He is on the floor. He is trembling. Because he expects the worst. In this time, if you're a member of the outgoing dynasty, um, it's not good. Because the incoming dynasty has a tradition, and that is you take everybody who was related to the former king and friends and associates, and you kill them all. You wipe the, the slate blank. And the reason is, is because a relative of the former king could show up and say, you know what, I have a right to that throne. And you know, you're, you're the new king, you have a new dynasty, and you don't like these messy legal matters to decide who has a right to the throne. You got there first. So instead of hassling with legal matters, you just kill everybody. And it's all nice and neat. Nobody has a legal right to that throne except you, and your rule is secure. Because otherwise, you see, you're illegal. You're a usurper. And you have no right to be there. So I'm going to make sure I have a right to the throne. I'm going to kill everybody who would have a right to the throne. 
problem solved, what's for breakfast? I'm hungry. Well, Mephibosheth is thinking these last few years have been good. They've been a reprieve. I'm off the radar. Nobody is asking after me. Now, I've been through a bunch of stuff in my life. My nurse dropped me when I was five years old, and that's why I'm crippled. And I can't work to support myself, but this guy, Mehir, son of Amiel, he lives out here, way out here in Lodabar, and he's wealthy enough to take care of me so I don't go hungry. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, I, I can't support myself. I'm in exile, but he's taking care of me, so it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm okay with that because I'm alive. But now, that's over. Because see, the king remembered about me. That's not good. And he sent his guys to get me. So they take me back to the king. And now I've got to listen to the new king monologue about high ideals, matters of state, and why he's totally legitimate as a king. And after he gets done monologuing, yada, 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 then he's going to kill me. I wonder what it's like to die. I guess I'm going to find out now. Gee, this is the last thought I have before I die. He's trembling on the floor, all right? And the king says, are you Mephibosheth? And he says, yes, I am. Those are my last words. Huh. So verse seven. So David said to him, do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded your servant, so your servant will do. As from Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son, his name was Micah. And all who dwelt on the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. I thought I was going to get through the chapter and be able to say his name right every single time. But, 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 but it's not, 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 not easy. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's teeth, 
tea table, and he was lame in both his feet. So can you imagine when you are regretting your entire life, you're wishing you'd never been born, that you could have stayed off anybody's radar, but no, they got you, and you're on the floor, and you're shaking like a leaf because you can't help it. And the king says, don't be afraid. That's because he can see you are afraid. You're involuntarily going. <laughs> he says, that's okay. Don't worry. And David is emphatic here. I will surely, surely show chesed to you. Strong, faithful, covenant love. The very kindness of God. This is much better than you're not going to die. This is you are going to live, really live. This is the chesed of God of which David said in Psalm 63, it is better than life. Life is good. Chesed is infinitely better. So, I'm restoring to you all the property, the lands of Saul, your grandfather. You are an estate owner. And you now have the means to generate wealth. All the income that comes from those lands and the working of those lands is going to be yours. You have resources now. You're going to eat at my table every day. Every day. I'm giving to you the kind of closeness that my own children have. So you're not going to be far away in Nowheresville. I'm going to bring you right to my table. Not just one of the many tables in my dining room. My table. You and me. Look at this. I'm looking right at you. How was your day? How'd it go? Really? Huh, tell me more. You got my attention. Now, you know, uh, you notice how Mephibosheth evidently got off the floor during this. But in verse 8, he bows himself again. He goes right onto the floor. And he is overwhelmed at this chesed that he is receiving from David. He's having a problem processing this. And you know what? You would have a problem processing this too. You were ready to die. And all of a sudden, what? What? I'm not going to die. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. But what? I'm a landowner? I'm going to eat at your table? And see, he asked the question that you would ask and that I would ask. Who am I? What did I do right? What? How? I'm just a dead dog. And you know, a dead dog is not pretty. You don't bless a dead dog. Does everybody get this? This is disgusting. And yet, he says, it doesn't make sense. 
you are blessing me and I, I can't be blessed. That was the sound of Mephibosheth's fuses blowing. His brain just stopped working. So, this is the chesed of God blessing him, not because he was worthy, but because of this covenant that was made between two other people before he was born. And this is because of remembering that covenant and fulfilling that covenant. Does everybody get that? That's how Mephibosheth got blessed. Now, this is what we learn from this. God will bless you even though you don't deserve it because you are in a covenant of the Lord. Did you notice that David didn't bless Mephibosheth because of his problems? He didn't say, where can I find a really unfortunate person so that I can do good to them because I'm a do-gooder? And I just finished hugging a tree over here and now I want to bless some unfortunate wretch, some riffraff. Find me the riffest raff you can find so I can bless him. He wasn't thinking about that. And he didn't say to Mephibosheth, well, look, you're crippled. And you're really nobody, so I, I don't know. I can't, I can't deal with that. Get out of here. That didn't stop David from blessing him. Does everybody get that? Mephibosheth had nothing to do with it. But David shows the kindness of God to Mephibosheth because of one reason. He's related to Jonathan. That's the qualification. That's why he counts in this covenant. That was the condition. Be related to Jonathan. Now, do you know that there were other descendants of Saul? And we're going to see that all of them got killed. None of them had children. Only Mephibosheth, his son Micah, and then you can read in Chronicles how many children Micah, son of Jonathan, had. He did fabulous. Every other descendant of Saul got wiped out, killed, no children. Everyone except for this descendant because he was in a covenant of the Lord. Now this applies to us because we have this same covenant of the Lord. This is our salvation. And this, this runs all through the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. And I really had a problem this week because which passage do I take that explains it? 
I really had a problem with it. It took me days to figure this out. So we're going to pick one, and it's in Galatians chapter 3. And here's what it says in verse 18, or verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Even though it's only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, nobody sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to run. And to your seed, that is Christ. What I'm saying is this. The law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it's no longer based on a promise. But God granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. So, to make it simpler, here's what we notice. God made a covenant with Abraham to bless him, to make him a blessing, that the whole world would be blessed in him. Now, Abraham had nothing to do with fulfilling that covenant except believe in God. That's what it says in Genesis 15. God brought him outside. He said, look at the stars. Can you count them? That's how many your descendants will be. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. But other than that, there's nothing that Abraham could do. Now, Paul says here that that covenant was also made with Jesus. I'm going to make a covenant with you, Abraham, and with you, Jesus. And Jesus is the guarantee that that covenant is going to be fulfilled. Because Jesus became a curse for us, it says in Galatians 3. He fulfilled all the punishment of the law for my law-breaking. And he also fulfilled all the righteousness of the law that I needed to fulfill and couldn't. So he has completely fulfilled all the requirements of the law, all the punishments of the law. He became a curse for us. And he redeemed us by dying in our place. Then he rose from the dead. And he gives new life and the promise of the Spirit to those who trust in his death and resurrection. The promise of the Spirit, the inheritance, it becomes ours 
when we trust in him. And this is the condition of the covenant. You gotta be related to Abraham. That's all you have to be. And you say, well, wait a minute. I'm not Jewish. I'm from Bellevue, Washington. I'm a dead dog. Dead dogs from Bellevue, Washington don't inherit. This is a problem, don't you think? Well, it's in Abraham's seed that all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. But then Jesus qualifies me to share in that covenant because in Jesus Christ, this is what it says in Galatians, I am born again into the family of Abraham. Even though I'm a Gentile dead dog who lives in nowhere or Bellevue, Washington. You can put either one in there. Bellevue, Washington is nowhere. Here I am, but I'm in Abraham's family now. Because God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, I have made you a father of many nations. And you know, the Apostle Paul quotes this in Romans 4. We're going to get there in our Friday night study. This is a plug and an advert for Friday nights. Even a guy from Bellevue, Washington can get saved. And so can somebody from Nigeria or Congo or South Africa or the Philippines or even Sunbury upon Thames. Imagine that. Now see, you'll need to learn about this covenant because knowledge is power. What if Mephibosheth knew about his covenant? He could walk into David's presence and David would say, well, who are you? Who let you in here? He says, I'm Mephibosheth. And David says, so what? He says, I'm a son of Jonathan. Do you remember the covenant of the Lord that you made with him three times? Uh, wow, you're right. Knowledge is power. You can't touch me. I'm a son of Jonathan. Oh, man, you're right. By the way, I need to inherit. Yes, of course you will. It'd be nice to be in your presence. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Now, you wouldn't be cheek on Mephibosheth's part. It would be like, wait a minute, I'm in this covenant. I qualify. These are my rights. You believe in rights, don't you, Mr. King? Yeah, you're right. I do. So... There's one other person in this account that would not want Mephibosheth to know about the covenant. Do you know who that is? Ziba. Ziba is an interesting character. He's the steward of the house of Saul. And 
You know, this affects him as well because when Saul died and everybody ran away, he was kind of left with Saul's lands. And he's kind of flying under the radar too. Nobody's noticing. So he keeps working the lands and he's getting the profit from these lands. He's got 20 servants. He's got 15 sons. How many sons do you have? He's doing okay. And as long as nobody notices, he gets it all for himself. Oh, but then somebody discovered, remembered the covenant. Oh, somebody identified Mephibosheth. Don't you think it's interesting that he knows there's a descendant of Jonathan still alive? He knows he's crippled. He knows where he lives. He never made a step to say, well, you know, you need to inherit. This is really yours. Come on. Uh-uh. Not a word. As long as nobody knows what the covenant's about, he's got lands. He's got servants. He's a squatter. And when David remembers, all of a sudden, the jig is up. Now he's working for Mephibosheth. Do you get that? Now all that stuff that gets grown and all the produce goes to Mephibosheth, not to him. His nice little scheme is over. Do you get that? Now, as long as you remain ignorant of the covenant that you have with God, you don't inherit. You don't get to stand on your rights because you don't know your rights. And the devil will prevent you from inheriting because you don't know your rights. And he prefers it that way because the devil likes to eat your lunch for you. So, this is why you have to learn this. Because as long as you stay a dead dog from Bellevue, Washington, you're not going to inherit. But sons of the covenant inherit. Does everybody get that? It's really good news, isn't it? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this covenant that you made with your son. To bless all those whom you would give him. And we thank you that Jesus remembers that covenant and he honors that covenant. And here we are. Who are we that you would bless us? We're not worthy. We're not perfect. And yet that's not an obstacle to you because of this covenant that you have with Jesus. And we're so thankful that you made Abraham a father of many nations. And we pray that you would teach us 
Show us the covenant. Teach us your ways that we may know you and inherit. We want to receive the good things that you promised in Christ. We thank you that you will do this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.